Hello and welcome to the Pro Football Network Miami Dolphins podcast. I'm your host, Matt Infante, not joined by Adam H. Beasley. Um, Adam is is traveling. He'll be back next week. But here with us um, for, what, the fourth or fifth time? Fourth time fourth is time. Chief Content Officer David Behrman. David, um, before we get into anything else, the, the most important fact here is that you are 3-0, and meaning when you join the podcast, the next Dolphins game, the Dolphins have won. 3-0. and 3-0. and uh, This is the fifth time because I did do a preseason one with you guys about betting. But yes, 3-0. and they beat the Broncos. They scored 70, as you might know. And then both Jet games. I was on during Jets week for whatever reasons a coincidence. So 3-0, and and we're putting that streak on the line this week, along with the one seed in the MVP race and a whole lot of other stuff is on the line. But um, I may not be as pretty as Adam, but but I'm here to help. No, we, we, we are happy to have you. And, um, you know, certainly a lot to talk about. The Cowboys, what were your general impressions of this, you know, last second win? Um, we'll call it the Jason Sanders game, the punch to take it into the playoffs for Miami Dolphins. What what was your general takeaway as you were watching it unfold, probably around family, much like me, and trying to hold it together um, as, as you know, th- this fourth quarter is unfolding and the lead evaporates, and then you have, you know, a three-minute uh, drive here to, to get down at the field goal range. Were you, were you holding it together, I guess? Who was around you, and, and kind of how did that go, you know, on, on Christmas Eve? In the spirit of it being Christmas Eve, um, my my wife took the kids to dinner and a movie. Um, and you know what? I, I, I had to work, Matt. Like, I, I couldn't join them. I had to work. You know, we, we covered the NFL for a living. So I, I got to watch the Dolphins and Cowboys game from the Bear Cave that you're currently seeing me stream this from all by myself, literally all by myself. So Um, There was good and bad to that. Obviously, there's nobody to share the excitement with, although I'll tell you when my kid got home about, I'll tell you about that in a second. I ran outside and showed him the video of it. Uh, What was I thinking? Um, I was holding it together. Keep in mind, since the CEO is listening, I I, um, I, I was working and I was professional, uh, but I was pacing. I literally was pacing. I had my laptop in my hands. I was pacing. I was working. Um, Not going to lie. I could not wait for the 45 second delay. I called people at the game who I knew were at the game. And I listened. I couldn't wait. I couldn't do it. It was only 45 seconds, but I couldn't do it. My phone was going to blow up. I had the phone down the entire last two drives, the Eagles drive that lasted forever and had 97 goal to go situations that eventually ended in a touchdown. Um, I kept getting alerts and texts and F bombs and this and that, everything that was happening, the sack fourth down, the conversions, the touchdown, the pass interferences. I could not do that on the last drive. So I did put the phone down. And I watched the last drive in, say, real time, but in delayed time. And then as they were setting up for the field goal, I I, I, I placed the call to the stadium. I had I had to listen to it um, while working and watching it by myself. Um, I will tell you, though, that we had this whole – I can't say it totally because my kid might listen. We had this whole thing set up for Christmas Eve that had to be done. And the wife called, and there was it was the two-minute warning. And I don't get really good reception in the basement. So I could barely hear her and she could barely hear me. And I was about to have a panic attack with the way the game was unfolding. So I told her, listen, whatever you're doing, I can't understand you because I'm in my basement. Just keep driving around the block. And then when the game's over, I'm going to come outside and either be very excited for Christmas Eve or or very mad and tell you to turn around and go somewhere else. Uh, They won the game, did our work, did everything, celebrated and was able to direct traffic. And then, uh, 
ran outside into uh, the driveway where everybody in the car already knew what had happened. They had listened to it at the end on the radio and they were very excited to celebrate a uh, little trivia. My wife went to the university of New Mexico where Jason Sanders went. So my wife is a big Jason Sanders fan. Um, none of us were until this past week. So thank you, Jason Sanders. And that's how my Christmas Eve went. Um, but when it's two o'clock in the morning and you're you're doing things for Christmas morning, you're in a lot better mood than you would be if the Dolphins have lost that one. And just want to check the math, Matt. The Cowboys do have a winning record, right? You know what? I I, I believe they do. Um, you you know, that's Good. Mike McDaniel said after the game, right? He said everyone's going to talk about the stuff you haven't done until you right. do it. Um, and they did it. And I mean, we'll get to this, but there's already now people, you know, doubting about this upcoming against the Ravens and saying, oh, I think it was during the game. I saw Mike Florio tweeted and Skip Bayless tweet that the Ravens are going to destroy the Dolphins. Um, so nothing they do um, is ever enough. Um, Bradley Chubb said after the game, he said that, you know, tell us we can't do it. We want to prove the naysayers wrong. Um, that was before this Ravens thrashing of the 49ers on Christmas night. Um, so again, we're going to have a whole nother week of the, Similar narrative. It won't be that they haven't beaten a team over 500. It'll be, well, it was just one game. It was the Cowboys. Um, maybe they'll talk about the benefit of, of some non-holding calls, you know, that Micah Parsons was getting held. Guess what? Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips were getting held all season, and they weren't getting called. So, you know, Christian Wilkins had a roughing the passer penalty in the end zone that ultimately didn't cost them, but come on. The Dolphins right. also lost to the Big Bad Eagles because they got no calls the entire game. So it is what it is. Don't blame the refs. Uh, I, I text a couple of Eagles fans, you're welcome, um, and they both responded with congratulations on winning the Fraud Bowl, which is yeah. something you of would course. totally expect an Eagles fan to say watching the Dolphins and Cowboys play. But it, it, it is what it is. They beat a really good football team. Um, what what Not only did they win the game, but I'm impressed by the fact that they didn't do what they did against Tennessee and fold up shop after giving up a two-score lead like they did in Tennessee. That last drive against the Titans left me a lot of question marks about play calling, about tenacity, about able to come back, adversity, because I was with you that night, and I turned to you before that last drive and said the Dolphins haven't been in this position often. They've either blown out teams or lost games. Other than the Chiefs game, they have not been in a position where they needed to drive in the fourth quarter with the game on the line, and they failed miserably against the Titans. You didn't really know what was to expect. When I got text messages after the Cowboys took the lead with three and a half minutes to go, it's, is it to a time? Can he do this? And I'll be honest, I didn't know. Because, yeah, he has a couple of them, but this is big time. This is national TV versus the Dallas Cowboys with all those narratives on the line after what happened two weeks ago against Tennessee, could it be to a time? And he was excellent on the drive. Jeff Wilson was excellent on the drive. Tyreek had a big play on the drive and they did what they needed to do to get the win. And we had not seen that this year because they haven't had to do it in 40 point wins. They haven't had to do it in even non 40 point wins. And then the one time you had them do it two times, you had them do it. They failed against Kansas City and Tennessee and neither one of those were pretty. You, you, you had ugly drives to finish both those games, and it's good to see that Tua and company were able to do it because they're going to need to do that in the postseason. Yeah, I, I thought the last drive you saw kind of you know masterful play calling, right? You start out with the run, you get a benefit of the face mask, then five straight passes, and then the three Jeff Wilson runs. I, I think there was an underrated play. It, it was second and 10 just before the two-minute warning. 
And I think, you know, this play kind of determined how the drive was going to go because it, it was a completion to Alec Ingold to get seven yards. Mm-hmm. If they don't, you know, if they find themselves in a third and 10 or a third and eight or something along those lines, who knows, you know, where this goes. But all of a sudden you're in a manageable third and three and within Jason Sanders field goal range off of that one completion there. But I, I thought I was getting nervous, you know, second, second and 10. I, I was uncomfortable at that point. Um, the play call was perfect. The play call was perfect. The execution was perfect. Um, and, and really for, from there, they just took it on down. And, and Jeff Wilson then, uh, you know, Jeff Wilson, get, me and Adam have opined a lot about what to do about short yardage, right? And one of the things he kept coming back to once Jeff Wilson was healthy was why not let Jeff Wilson get more, you know, more chances. He's the violent runner of, of the three, mm-hmm. more so than most or more so than HN. Um, and it was good to see that there was, there was trust in him and, and he delivered. And, um, I, you know, we'll see what this means moving forward. It'll be interesting to see if he's, you know, going to get more touches against Baltimore. Um, but, but certainly it was something that um, it, it was satisfying to see after all these, uh, you know, game winning drives that did not result um, in, yeah. in a game winner. I think one of the underlying themes of the season that you're seeing on hard knocks and, and you're seeing it play out in real time is people forget Mike McDaniel's second year. Like the guy has coached like less than 35 football games. It's the second year. And whether it's unsettling or not, he's learning as he goes, just like we are, and he's going to make mistakes. You just hope that they're not mistakes that cost you games. You know, you break it down, but I I disagreed with going for it on fourth down early in the game and throwing another fade pattern to Cedric Wilson, which he had. Yeah. Yeah. I I wanted to touch on that. We're going to talk about that. That's Um, he hasn't learned from that yet. No. And, and there are aspects that we talk about. There was a couple of games ago where it's pass, 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 pass when it's first and goal. And then what does he do the next game? Run, 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 touchdown. Then he talks about not being able to get one yard with Mostert or with Hill or with fade patterns or whatever it is. And they use Jeff Wilson up the middle for six yards. He's learning. And you're hoping that by the time the playoffs roll around where you need three or four wins that he has it. Because what he did in that last drive, as you test to, with the the, the uh, high percentage passes, the plays just for the two-minute warning to the tight end, and then the Jeff Wilson up the middle. Like, you have Raheem Mostert. You have... Achan. And and then he's going with Jeff Wilson, which is what he needed to do and getting what he needs to get done. Uh high percentage uh pass to 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 um to Tyreek Hill and getting success out of things that he's learning on the fly. And again, time management's still an issue from time to time. Timeouts they use, they don't need to talk about the Cedric Wilson play. He's only been in the NFL for two. This is not a Don Shula. This is not a Jimmy Johnson, not a Dave Wanstad. Like the guy's been a head coach for less than two seasons. And sometimes he, you forget to give him the benefit of the doubt because of how his aura has risen and you watch hard knocks and everything's funny. He still makes mistakes. You just, as you and I tell our direct reports, make them learn from them. And it looks like McDaniel is learning from most of his mistakes. Yeah. Most of them. Uh, goal to go is still an issue. Right. And we saw it. So the Dolphins were unable to get in the end zone in, in a goal-to-goal situation once again. Uh, first and goal from the three was a uh, – it was, what, two runs followed by two passes. That is what it was. Yep. Um, the last one was the end zone fade on fourth and goal to Cedric Wilson. Now, it's funny because, it, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but if they just take the points and kick the field goal, things are different right. at the end of that game. Um, luckily, they, you know, they still won. 
And I didn't necessarily disagree with the fourth down decision to go for it. Obviously, the play call was an issue. Um, didn't he once call out, you know, how a fade on a fourth and goal, you know, he, he wanted to have that back, and then he goes and does it again? And I That's believe it. it was the same player. Same, I Cedric believe Wilson, the call who's going to be a bigger part of the offense. Um, right. And we'll, we'll talk about that. And we joke, we, we were angry in person watching the game together when he threw the yep. fade pattern to Cedric Wilson. We're like, how's that the call? On Hard Knocks, he called himself out. We can't say the exact phrase he used. This is a family program. But he called himself out and then did the exact same play. So, again, he learns from most of his mistakes. Um, there were other issues on that goal-to-goal drive. It's funny because every broadcast you listen to talks about how the Dolphins have the number one red zone offense in the league. Yes. Not exactly sure if they're talking about scoring versus not scoring. Yeah, no, no, no. So I, I have that here. So they are – third in the NFL in touchdown percentage in the red zone, but they are 20th in goal to go. So they're more effective in that 10 to 20 range than they are inside the 10 is what you take away from that. Because every time they say that on the broadcast, I go, doesn't feel that way. Really doesn't. Inside the 20s, they're good. Inside the goal to go. And honestly, you need that because you look at, look at why they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles is because inside goal to goal, all they do is tush push right through the end zone. And they yep. treated getting the ball, their own 30 yard line, like it was goal to goal and tush push their way to a fourth down. If the dolphins can't get a fourth and one, they're not winning the super bowl. So they need to find a way to convert. And I look at goal to goal as being like a fourth and one, you've got to be able to convert. And maybe the dolphins are good from fourth and one, but they're not good from fourth and goal from the five because fourth and goal from the five McDaniel seems to. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, certainly uh, the the fade pattern to Cedric Wilson needs to be ripped up, get get that out of the playbook, but Cedric Wilson um, is suddenly going to be an important piece. And we saw a little bit of it even before Jalen Waddle. Well, he was out and then he was in and then he was out, but, but Jalen Waddle now has a high ankle sprain. Um, we don't know the timetable there. Uh, it could be anything from, you know, two weeks to many, many more weeks, which I don't even want to think about. But what we saw last week against Dallas with Cedric Wilson, he got targeted five times. He had a critical catch on that fourth, uh, on, on that game-winning drive as well. Um, he ended up at 42 yards. Um, over the last three games, he has 12 targets. You're, sudden, you're starting to see him take over that wide, re- wide receiver three role that, you know, um, was kind of it was Barrios earlier in the season, um, and he, he still certainly gets snaps. But Cedric Wilson seems to be getting more targets, and he's going to have to now, right? And um, somebody made the point to me that yeah, the offense looks bad when Waddle goes out mid-game because they don't have all week to prepare for Waddle being out. So does that help the Dolphins' offense here, being without Waddle and knowing they will be at least for for, for the Ravens game most likely, um, and being able to game plan for you know how to move the ball with Tyree Kill and then a bunch of other guys as the wide I mean, receiver twos and threes. I mean, listen, Waddle being out hurts them either way, but I think giving them a week to prepare, because he's not going to play this week, and I'd be shocked if he played against Buffalo. Um, obviously, if the game doesn't mean anything, you won't play. But, you know, they really could use that first-round bye, which we'll talk about in a minute, to get people healthy. Um, having them game plan for Wilson, I think, will be huge for McDaniel because they can try to slide him into the same type of receiver that Waddle is. Uh, the one thing you're going to get about Wilson more than Waddle is they're going to move him around in the backfield. They'll use him as a running back. They'll use him in the slot. They'll use him in motion. Uh, Hill does that as well, so it could help them from the aspects that Waddle doesn't do as much of the motion as Hill does. And 
Cedric's been doing that since he joined the Dolphins. A lot of plays where he goes around in circles and left and right, whatever. Some of the stuff you're seeing Tyreek do uh, could confuse the Ravens some more. I like Cedric Wilson. He's not the guy I'm going to throw to in the end zone with the game on the line. Um, but he has been a servables receiver and chosen Anderson got hurt. Uh, Waddle likely not going to play. So he's going to have to step up. And I'll tell you what, though, the most impressive thing to me about the offense is it was while Waddle was there and while Waddle was out was we have a tight end. Evidently <laughs> we use the tight end. And it's like yeah. when, you, when you're trying to think about how Mike McDaniel sees the game and how he knows everybody else is watching their tape. What's the one thing the Dolphins have not had in their offense going back to the Mike Gusecki days, which is why they didn't even bother resigning him is they don't use the tight end in the Mike McDaniel offense to catch the ball. Durham Smythe all of a sudden had five catches in the first half the other day. And it's like, yeah. Oh, by the way, he was wide open every single wide time. Wide open. Yep. Wide open. Yep. So McDaniel's like, all right, if you're not going to cover the tight end, we're going to use him. And it helped. And it was great. It moved the ball against Dallas. He was open every single time. It just gives the Ravens one more thing to think about, which is good. because That's what McDaniel wants you to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and I guess the offense in general, I mean, I'd be remiss if you didn't point out that Heading into this game, the Cowboys uh, were fifth in defensive EPA. They were sixth in DVOA, if you like the advanced metrics. If you want to go with regular old school metrics, they allowed 177 passing yards per game. They were fourth in the NFL. Dolphins put up 284. Yep. They allowed 294 yards per game, which was sixth heading into the weekend. The Dolphins put up 375. Um, you know, and you go through the list, and I tweeted this out about quarterbacks passing yards against the Cowboys this year mm -hmm. and I the highest I had saw was Brock Purdy at 252 you know and then those you know Jalen Hurts had a game of 207 and a game of 197 Josh Allen famously had 94 they didn't really need him to pass because they were running all over him um but two had 293 and it just you know it seems like it gets brushed under the rug to an extent like it's not talked about as much as it probably it should be from people who aren't Dolphins fans or covering the Dolphins because it's just Tua but, I mean, that was an impressive performance against one of the best pass defenses in the NFL. I mean, shall we call it an MVP-type performance, which we'll get into in a minute with we the might. Jackson Ooh. stuff. But people totally dismissing Tua, it, it, it's getting old. Like, oh, it's Tyreek's team. Tyreek is the MVP, and I would vote for Tyreek Hill as MVP. But, like, how can Brock Purdy, outside of last night, be the MVP, but Tua can't be? Like, you, you can't. Well, it, it's the system for Tua, but it's not the system for Brock Purdy. It's the yak for Tua, but it's not like Tua's crushing the league in deep balls, which is Tua can't throw the deep ball. Tua's getting the ball out faster than anybody else in the league. Tua holds the ball for too long. He's crushing every narrative. It's Tyreek Hill's team. What happened when Tyreek went out and didn't play against the Jets? Tua threw the ball all over the field against a really good Jets defense. Uh Tyreek Hill, not 100%. Waddle out of the game. Tua throws for 294 against a really good Cowboys defense. Now, listen, I'm not going to say Tua is the MVP because Lamar Jackson proved last night why he's the front runner. But you can't dismiss it. They go in there and they beat the Ravens, and we'll get more into that game in a second. Why can't it be Tua? Like, I even saw a tweet from a very respective col former colleague of mine who said, here's the updated numbers of the MVP race. And in parentheses next to Tua, who would bet this? Like I was 18 to one. Why wouldn't you bet it? The values are just people just like dismissing Tua. No one gives him any credit. He, he, yes, 
when when Tyreek went out in the middle of the game versus Tennessee, you looked like crap. The entire offense looked like crap. The defense looked like crap. You're also not game planning for not having Tyreek Hill when he gets injured in the second quarter. You had an entire week to prepare without Tyreek, and Tua did fine without him. Now, I wouldn't advocate for that, but Tua has proven that he is among the MVP candidates, and it's just stupid that people don't think that. Yeah, and, um, you know, I, I think we can turn, turn our attention forward now. Um, for, for, for Sunday, so let's talk about the playoff scenarios first because the Dolphins have a lot of them. Um, their, their easiest path to the one seed, win both games. Beat the Ravens, beat the Bills, yeah, it's easy. And then you, you're the one seed. Um, if they beat the Ravens and lose to the Bills, they're pretty much locked into the two seed unless the Ravens happen to lose to the Steelers in Week 18. And the Browns lose one of their two remaining games, which would be Jets and Bengals, which, okay. It, it could happen, but I wouldn't count on it. If the Dolphins lose to the Ravens and beat the Bills, they're the two seed, they're the division champs, and, and that's that. And if they lose both, right? So if they lose both games, they can't do any worse than the sixth seed. Um, and they could be the fifth seed if the Browns were to lose both. And they could still win the division if the Bills lose to the Patriots this upcoming week. So really, you're looking at number two, one, two, three, and five, and six are all in play. Yeah, four, four and seven are completely out based on records. That's obvious. Um, the rest are in play. It, it's highly unlikely they'd be the three seed. They could get it if they lost both. The Bills lose to the Patriots and and then the, the Chiefs yeah. win the tiebreaker, but the Chiefs aren't – yeah, it could happen because the Chiefs beat them in Germany. A uh, more likely situation is the Dolphins right now are the two seed. Um, they beat Baltimore. They can be the one seed. It's right there in front of them, like you said. Win both games and you're the one seed or, you know, hope Baltimore loses along the way, which we thought they were going to do on Monday night, and that didn't happen. That made it a little bit harder. Uh, but the Baltimore Ravens are the real deal. If anybody didn't believe in them before Monday night, you should believe in them now. This is not going to be an easy game for the Miami Dolphins. Um, I do like the fact that I believe no team has won the week after playing San Francisco in about a year and a half to go back and check the numbers. But I was talking about that earlier in the week, and that's what I remember looking up. Um, you just don't rebound from playing a tough game versus the Niners well. They beat you up, and it's a short rest, yep. keep in mind. Baltimore was in San Francisco late on Monday night, short rest going home, they did beat San Francisco and beat them up more than San Francisco beat them up. But at the end of the day, you played a 60-minute game against a really tough team and now on short rest. That's what Miami has going for it. Is Baltimore the better team? I mean, they're 2-0 against 11-win teams. Nobody else can say that. <laughs> they, and, and they won impressively. They destroyed Detroit and they destroyed San Francisco and the only other 11-win team they get at home this week. So... They're going to try to be 3-0 against the only teams with 11 wins this season. They're very impressive last night. That was scary impressive. Um, and if you think about it, really, the only thing the Niners did was get Lamar Jackson to run 20 yards backwards and trip over a referee. Other than that, that offense was unstoppable last night. And I don't think anybody had five interceptions in the uh, Brock Purdy, Sam Darnold bingo card. Um, it's going to be a tough one. Not going to be easy. Yeah, and no. I it's not watching that game. I had two thoughts. One, that game being the Ravens just, you know, thrashed the Niners one, you know, the Ravens are really good. Okay. 
Yeah, they're, they're, they're probably better than I thought they were. They, I, I should give them more credit than than I was. The other thought I had, and this is totally an anecdotal thing for me in my mindset, but it's played out this way this year. When the Dolphins play one of the hardest teams in their schedule, Eagles, Chiefs come to mind, the week before, both of those teams lost. And I hate playing really good teams off losses because I just – what are the odds if the team's really that good? The odds of them losing two in a row, and I know it makes no the odds are the same, right? It really doesn't matter, but just mentally for me, and it's played out that way this year, where the Eagles, I believe, lost to the Jets the week before, and yep. I was watching that. I'm like, oh, this ain't good. They're not going to lose to the Jets and then lose again. Yep. And they didn't. Um, so watching it, you know, watching the Ravens just crush the Niners, I that thought did dawn on me. Um, there's no scientific evidence of that, but just anecdotally it made me think okay well that's better than them getting crushed by the Niners yeah you sent me that note when 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 they lost to the Jets Philly lost to the Jets this isn't good for the Dolphins like I was like I rolled my eyes I'm like ah, it has nothing to do with it you're not wrong teams don't like losing and they come back you know the Eagles had a Sunday night game extra rest at home all day long and think about it and get revved up for it and even then I think the Dolphins still outplayed them but yeah it was an angry Eagles team um, this is not going to be an, you know what San Francisco got, San Francisco got an angry Ravens team because they were disrespected about the point spread. And by the way, if this week has taught us anything, these players keep receipts. That's the saying, like, they, like Lamar Jackson heard what pro football talk said about him and Furio mm-hmm. and Tua obviously is listening to people and McDaniel alluded to it and other players are listening in, in today's age of social media. And McDaniel said it at his press conference. You can't ignore it. Players hear the noise of you can't beat winning teams. You can't win on the road. You're not an MVP candidate. They hear it. Uh, The Ravens heard it when the Ravens went into San Francisco. And and what was impressive to me was I thought San Francisco was the best team bar none. Was willing to lay the six and not think twice about it because no one has come close to them when fully healthy this year. They were 11-0 when Trent and, and Debo and the whole team was healthy. And then the Ravens came to town and just beat the crap out of a team that I thought was unequivocally number one. And all of a sudden I had to flip that in my power rankings, which I did not expect to do. So Ravens are a very, very good team. And you could absolutely see that matchup play itself out in Las Vegas again. Um, I, I also want to add in, and I, I've been hard on him for years and he's earned it over time. The next big game that Kyle Shanahan wins will be his first. Yes, he's won an NFC title. Then he lost the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, he got there, so he did win some big games, but he lost to the nope. Eagles last year. He's lost to yeah. the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan's always been in my crosshairs since the play calling in the Falcons collapse against the Patriots. That was because of how I felt about the Patriots, obviously, and, and the narrative of Tom Brady. That That comeback could have been stopped, but just Different play calling that any twelve-year-old playing Madden could have done, um, and, and, and at least given him less time, as if no time at all. To and, make it, and he did it versus Kansas City in the Super Bowl, where he didn't yep. try to run the ball, and Kansas City went right down the field and won. And it's it's a repeated thing where that wasn't the problem last night, but that was arguably the biggest game of the season for the Niners mm-hmm. to game plan for, and they were completely out coached, out played, out hustled, and you don't say that often about that San Francisco 49ers team that they got outplayed and out hustled. But again, Shanahan got out coached and it's like, he's just 
there have been times over the last four years where I have continuously faded the Niners because I don't believe in Shanahan. And it's come back to bite me in the butt more times than not, especially this year. And now I'm like, this is the best team. Like, they're killing everybody. They're winning everything by double digits other than when McVay gave everybody a gift and kicked the game-winning, game-covering field goal, cover-play field goal. The Niners have been dominant, and they just got their hands. Maybe it's just one game sample size, but there's always that little thing in the back of your head. You will always remember the Super Bowl losses. And, by the way, totally un, 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 understated because they lost their Brock Purdy in the early in the NFC Championship game. They had no backup plan. Like, they were right. the minute Brock Purdy got hurt, that game was over. And you can't have that as a coach in an NFC title game with your season on the line. You were the better team, I thought. And just yep. the minute Purdy got hurt, it was over. Like, you got to have some sort even if it's McCaffrey running the Wildcat, you got to have some sort of. So in big moments, Shanahan continues to drop the bar which is why I'm always unsettled when I have money on them or when I pick them to win the Super Bowl or anything like that. He just comes back to bite you in the butt every single time. Yeah, no, for, for, for sure. And, and yesterday was another one of those examples. Um, yep. But now, so the Dolphins will head to Baltimore, right? Baltimore has not been kind to the Dolphins historically. Now, l- l- let's put a pin in last year real quick. Uh, just in general, the last five, they're one and four in Baltimore last year being being the win. Even with that win, they have a net points of negative um, 91. So an average per game deficit of 18 points. Um, and it took a historic 28-point fourth quarter last year to even make it look that good, if you want to call it good. Well, on the flip side, you had that season opener from a few years ago where it went the exact opposite way. So there are outliers right. on both sides yeah but- and also these games none of them have anything to do with each other right last year's team yeah same head coach different defensive coordinator and anything that happened two years ago or the 40 to nothing you know thursday night game that's 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 a whole regime ago mm-hmm. um so you don't put too much into that other than the fact that as a fan you see uh you know mnt bank stadium i believe it's called and you yep. get some you know some some nightmares it's just a long comfortable Yep. Every year when um, the schedule comes out in April and you know you're going to Baltimore, you, you don't circle that one. You don't. You avoid it yeah. because you know that even the best Dolphin teams have gone in there and lost to Baltimore. So, yep. Yep. And I remember my back, wife, I mean, Chad Pennington, right? Chad Pennington playoff game. I mean, yeah. didn't expect them to win, but they just weren't even competitive. So, and that one was at home. Yeah. That was a home game against the Ravens. The Ravens just, they're the AFC team more so than the Patriots during Tom Brady's heyday. The Ravens were always the team that made me most uncomfortable when the Dolphins have to play them. And, and here we are they, now in a big spot. They've just never had success against Baltimore. Yeah. And, and the, you, you can point to two, two games in Dolphins history that you'll always remember where they did beat Baltimore, but they stick out like a sore thumb because they never do. And one would be Greg Camarillo scoring the touchdown to avoid a winless season. But that was more on uh, the Ravens not going for it on fourth and inches like idiots. Yeah. Uh, Brian Billick's days, and then the game you just re- referenced with the big comeback last year. Other than that, it's been a house of horrors, home or road. Every time like I said schedule comes out, you look at Baltimore, you're like, yeah, maybe an L. You know, you don't you don't W that one up. And you're right, like the Dolphins beat Brady many times. They they stopped Brady from having home field advantage twice. They they had the 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 miracle play, miracle in Miami. They've beaten them. 
just don't beat the Ravens. There was that one game I was at the winter meetings in D.C., and I went to a bar to watch it, and they got blown out 31-3 to or whatever it was. And I've been to M&T Bank Park and seen them lose two times. And last year's game was one of the more surprising comebacks that we've ever seen. No one saw that coming. It was just another go to Baltimore and get blown out, like always. And then that came out of left field because – I remember the season opener when they got blown out and my wife and kids show up in dolphin gear in the second quarter and they walked in and I was, I was ready to leave. It was 35, nothing already, but that was the tank for two a year. Um, I don't know. It's, it's not a fun place to play. This is, might be the best Ravens team we've seen since the Ray Lewis days. Um, not going to be easy, but the, this Dolphins team can win the whole thing and they can also lose the division. So it's still out there. Yeah, and last year's game, that fourth quarter to me was the the turning point in the whole Tua and how you look at him. I mean, the week one game against the Patriots, he had the long pass on fourth down the waddle. Other than that, it was kind of a defense wins and the Patriots just weren't that good kind of game. It was that fourth quarter that all of a sudden it, it got my attention, it got the national attention. And then, you know, they went on the next week, I believe that was the Bills game that, that they won. And that kind of took off there to and McDaniel and look what we can do and, and all of that. But it was the fourth quarter last year was a moment, you know, in, in that stadium. So that gives you hope, right. Moving yep. forward now, because they did it against a defense that was admittedly injured, right. Different Ravens defense then than it is now. Um, but what do you, when you're looking at this matchup and you're trying to find, well, here, here's how I think the Dolphins can win this game. What do you think that is? Is it outscoring them? Is it holding down the Ravens and then just doing enough on offense? Like, what's the likely game script if the Dolphins well, we'll are going to leave Baltimore to win? I will say outscoring them is the goal. So it would be one. <laughs> is it going to be, okay, offensive shootout I knew or defensive 13-10, and that's how you're going to win? I think the Dolphins win this game if they don't make mistakes, period. Take take. Obviously, you want to run to set up the pass and yada, yada, yada. And you can all those cliches if they run well and have the ball and keep the clock, keep Lamar off the field. That's anybody can say that. If they avoid the mistakes, you can't have the the one time a game that Tua forgets he's the NF, one of the NFL's best quarterbacks and throws a stupid interception to the Jets. You can't have the offensive line collapse and there be a scoop six. Uh, you can't have them going for it on fourth down at their own 35 and run a fade pattern to Cedric Wilson. Like, you got to avoid the mistakes. You can't have the motion penalties. Can't jump off sides. Like there's going to be mistakes, but they lost the Eagles game because of mistakes, penalties. They lost the Chiefs game because Tyreek Hill dropped the fumble that allegedly was a catch and was a scoop six. They lost the Bills game because no one showed up. They lost the Titans game because they had a two-minute meltdown on defense and on offense. Obviously, losses are predicated on mistakes. The Dolphins have not yet lost a game that they should have won because even the Tennessee game, they got outplayed. I think if you avoid the mistakes, I mean, the Niners had five turnovers last night. Yep. You can't have that. The line has to hold up. You saw what the Ravens defense did to, to, to the uh, Niners offensive line last night. Like Brock Purdy was running for his life all night long. Yeah. Line has to hold up. Yes, they have to establish the run so they can let Tua do his thing. Got to avoid the mistakes. If the Dolphins have a turnover-free game, they leave Baltimore with a win. That's my bold prediction. And it sounds like Austin Jackson will be back. Yes. It sounds like Rob Hunt could be back. Yes. Um, which is the most hope we've had about Rob Hunt in, in weeks now, right? It, it was right. kind of early in the week. You kind of knew 
he wasn't going to play. This week, it seems a lot closer. Um, so that will help. Um, you're not going to have Waddle, obviously. Um, Armstead's gone two games without an injury. Yeah, knock on wood, because, I mean, he might be due for one. And the dude, it's funny, he on social media, he gets un, obviously unfairly criticized for it. The things he's played through, I wouldn't even get a bet if I had. No. Never mind playing a football game. So, yeah. I mean, he, he he's the ultimate warrior. He, he does whatever, you know, he, he can physically do. So, if he can walk and get out there, he'll be out there. And hopefully, you know, for a third week in a row, he makes it through the whole game. But. I mean, the, the dude's body is failing him, and he's still out there whenever he can and, and playing at a high yeah. level. Yes. And, and I mean, when he's on the, the Dolphin offense is that much better when he's on the field. You see it like you see it every single week, how good that team can be. Like the offensive line protected them against Dallas. Like it, it, they, they two to get hit in the first half. If they have a zero turnover, one sack or less game, I don't see them losing. If it's three, four, five sacks, a turnover here, a turnover there. Baltimore is really good at making you pay for your turnovers. Really good. They turn them all into points. So you you can't just give them six like they did in in other games. Like they gave the Chiefs six. They they, they gave the Jets six. They seem like they gave the Bills 20. You you can't do that. Um, You you can't fumble at the one-yard line like they did against Tennessee. Or like uh, Dallas did. I mean, we overlooked that. What the Dolphins were able to force that fumble there on the the Cowboys was a first possession. It was after, um, after just Sean Elliott saved the touchdown with that after that amazing tackle to keep him out. Maybe. Yeah, yep, yep. So, so I mean, that you can't have that happen to you. You have to be the ones making that happen. I mean, yes. that that's Baltimore will make you pay hundred yes, percent. Like if you said. if you lose, I think if the Dolphins lose the turnover battle, they're done. Yeah. If they win the turnover battle, even with a turnover or two, then that's different. Like the defense is playing great. How they will stack up against a mobile quarterback like Lamar Jackson, they don't really handle Josh Allen very well. It scares me. Um, you know, they sort of handled Jalen Hurts, except for the tush pushes. It's not like Jalen Hurts broke out for 50 or 60 yards. They gotta contain Lamar. Um the game that was most maddening to me I was at last year was the the Bears game where Justin Fields ran for 700 yards, yet the Dolphins escaped with the win. Like, yep. they're not beating the Ravens if Lamar Jackson runs for 150 yards like Justin Fields did. It's just not happening. So you got to contain and you you, you got to have a mistake-free game. This is not a team you can make mistakes against. It, it sounds, like, obvious, but it really is. Like, you, you, you have to hold on to the ball. You can't have fumbles. You can't have stupid plays and pick sixes and – I know there's a lot of plays in the Mike McDaniel offense that are predicated on trust. Tua throws it to a spot, hopes the receiver turns that way. Be careful. (laughs) That's easy to do against Dallas and the Jets. You don't throw a spot and the receiver turns the other way. And that's, that's, that's trouble. Yeah. And, and I guess the, the one final point about this game too is, is the MVP battle. So, this game is, is is for the AFC one seed, although the Dolphins could win it and still not get the one seed. Uh, the Ravens, if the, if the Ravens win, do they clinch the one? Okay. So, but the other part of this is, is it also for the MVP, um, you know, battle here? So right now, Lamar Jackson is the, I, I believe it's what, is he, is he minus? Odds on right favorite, now? 175, yep. Minus 175. And then you have Christian McCaffrey's two. And then is Tua there at third now? I mean, last night he was fourth. 
Purdy was still ahead of him. I think that's flipped. I don't know. Tua, Tua is ahead of Purdy, um, but okay. Tyreek's right there as well. Um, McCaffrey's so, so two. So let's oh. say the Dolphins win, um, and, and Tua has a you know not a 500 yard game or something like that, but you know a normal kind of like he did against the Cowboys, 290 and a touchdown, and and they beat the Bills as well. Like, is there a case that Tua is the MVP, or is it still going to be Lamar Jackson? Or somebody else, or is it given to Christian McCaffrey at that point? I personally would, if that scenario unfolded and they went in there and beat Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, I would vote for Tua. Do I think Tua wins the MVP? No, there's too many. I was gonna ask you, would you you'd there. vote for him? Would you bet on him? That that would be my question. I already have bet on him. Well, would you do a new bet? No, I don't think the media is going to give it to him because I think yeah. the media thinks Tyree Kill is just as responsible, and they might they might be right. And there's too well, many doubts. That's I have no problem with that, but then get then maybe he deserves it. If the Dolphins walk away with the one seed, oh, I he deserves it. He gets my vote. He absolutely yeah. would get my vote. Right. If they won out, now that Brock Purdy threw a five four turn four four interception game out there, Tua would get my vote. I don't think it happens, and I think the I said this earlier in the year. The only way a Christian McCaffrey or Tyreek Hill can get in there and steal the award that is a quarterback award is if every quarterback does something to lose it. So Hertz has already lost it. Mahomes has already lost it. Brock Purdy lost it last night. Lamar could lose it in one of the last two games. It would be two as to win, but the media is not going to give it to him. So in that case, I think Christian McCaffrey is your MVP stunner because no running back has won it in 13 years. But it takes every single quarterback to either lose it or not be a believer. And people would say Tua lost it against Tennessee, which understandably so. He had a horrible game and – Tyreek wasn't on the field and that made people wonder whether it was Tyreek and people are going to ignore the Jets came because it's the Jets. But in the prime time moment in national TV, when Tyreek Hill was hurt Tua had a horrible game that eventually will stop him from being the MVP that that game alone, which is why Brock Purdy lost it Monday night. And if Lamar loses to Tua, if Tua goes out there and does what he did against Baltimore last year and throws for 500 yards and five touchdowns, he wins the MVP. But that's not going to happen. I think it's Lamar Jackson's, and then Christian McCaffrey steals it if Lamar loses. Now, I do think that Tyreek's not dead yet. If he breaks 2,000 yards, which we know is now harder to do since he missed a game and a half, and he only had nine, only, only had 99 only, yards. Only had 99 only. yards, yeah. If Tyreek goes out and breaks that record and is the reason, let's say he gets, what does he need, 400 and something yards? Yeah. And gets that in the two games against Baltimore and Buffalo – at that point, a lot of times the, the, these voting awards are, what have you done for me lately? If what the voters see over the last two weeks of the season is a 400-yard performance from Tyreek Hill, he win the award. If Lamar, if, if Tua goes out there and throws for 750 yards and seven touchdowns, maybe he steals it. But I think in order, Lamar and then McCaffrey if Lamar falters. I'd love to see Ty, Tyreek or Tua, but the media is just the media. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and, and then I guess before we we get out of here, um, you, you did mention that you think the Dolphins will beat the Ravens with with some you know obvious assumptions, right, on the turnover battle and whatnot. Um, I did want to ask you then, Crystal Ball, looking ahead, Buffalo, Week 18, knowing what you know now, and assuming a, a Bills win against the Patriots. I mean, I don't know by how much, but so assume that. What do you think? 
Well, two questions. When do you think that game is played? And what do you think the outcome is? To me, it has Saturday night just written on it. But I think if Miami beats Baltimore, that might be your Sunday night game. Like and Buffalo wins. If Miami wins and Buffalo wins, and that game is for either the one seed or the division, which it could be, Dolphins win, they win the one seed, Dolphins lose, the Bills win the division, I think it's Sunday night football, last game. Um, if it's not for all that, say the Dolphins lose to the Ravens and it's just for the division, it probably has Saturday night, right now, especially now that the Bills look like they can have a playoff spot locked up. Yeah. Um, listen, I, I never feel comfortable playing the Buffalo Bills. Um, they are now finally showing what everyone thought they were going to be, but I still am not a believer in McDermott. Um, for everybody who has given Buffalo the AFC East title already, they still have to play in Miami where um, Miami is a very good team. Um, I, I'm not as worried as other people are. I still think the Dolphins beat them at home. If I had to bet, I would say Dolphins lose to the Ravens and beat the Bills and win the division, get the two seed, and the Bills wind up in, you know, six Hopefully seed. not the seven seed. Hopefully not the seven seed. Don't want to face them in two back-to-back weeks. Yeah. No, I mean, I would rather face the Colts or the Jaguars or any of those other teams um, yeah. than the Bills again. But I have more comfort in being in Miami than – like, I would not want to go to Buffalo. And people forget, the Dolphins went to Buffalo last year and almost won with a third-string quarterback. And, yeah. yes, what people remember most is week four going to Buffalo and getting their butts kicked. You know what? There was also a There was also a – 21-21 game late in the second quarter and a couple of things went their way. Only but he remembers is the final score, 40-something or whatever. You got to face the Bills. The Bills have owned you, yada, yada, yada. I still think Miami can beat them at home, and I think they will beat them at home. I'm more concerned about the Ravens game than the Bills game. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate you joining us to put your streak on the line here. 3-0. Will they get the 4-0? We will see. If they do, you may just have to come on now for the remainder of the season. So, um, empty you know, your, your calendar and make sure it's free because at, at that point, you know, at what point is it, you know, causation, right? I'm, I'm just saying, um, but okay. I mean, so why, why do I wear the same pair of boxers every single Sunday? Like they're probably one that, game that, over 500. I started that, doing that. Like, you know, on that why note, did I? Why, why, when I was in high school and college, did I wear I had two Merino jerseys, aqua and white, and I would wear the same color if they won, and I would switch to the other color when they lost, and I would keep switching back and forth. Like, And it worked like really well because they won so many Super Bowls. They won 10 games every year. Yeah, no, they're, they're very good at that. It makes no sense. And I'm not even a superstitious guy, and I would do that. You know, when you're rolling dice, you don't move that left leg if you're rolling hot just the way it is right and, and that's why um you know dolphins go out there in baltimore and win um you'll be joining adam and i moving forward and we'll, we'll keep the streak alive all the way to vegas i'm with you let's do it absolutely okay well if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet what are you waiting for because it's been we've been doing this since august so please subscribe to it it's on all available podcast platforms if you're watching on youtube you can like and subscribe and for all of our Dolphins coverage from Adam Beasley, um, who is going to be on site in Baltimore for this game, uh, you can go to profootballnetwork.com slash Miami hyphen Dolphins. And we will see you back here next week, maybe with David yet again on the PFN Miami Dolphins podcast. <laughs>